0: Happy New Year's, everybody. Welcome to another week. Uh, This this week we're going to be looking at New Year's resolutions, in particular training hard. Uh, Every year, at the end of the year, on New Year's Eve, everybody likes to make these resolutions 99% of the time. The folks making resolutions will never keep them throughout the year, but that's a whole different story. We're still going to look at it in a good light, and we're going to look at this from a biblical light. Uh, from a biblical world view. Uh, Cause I would like to challenge everybody to train hard spiritually. Today our passage is gonna be coming out of First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. I'm gonna give you a chance to turn there if you've got your Bible or your device. But uh I'm I'm excited for what this new year has to hold. Uh God is always blessing us with new days and new years. And new chapters and seasons within our life. And I'm just praying that uh, this coming year will be a new season and a new blessing in ministry and new blessing in other people's lives that the Word of God will be able to be spread far better than I've been able to do for the past year. And I've been very humbly and happily used throughout this past year and taking places I never thought I would have gone. Some places were downright painful, and some places were downright amazing. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's get into the word of God. First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Says, Do you not know that all these all those who run in a race run? But one receives the prize. So run, that you may obtain it. Everyone who strives for the prize exercises self-control in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible one so therefore i run not with uncertainty so i fight not as one who beats the air but i bring and keep my body under subjection lest when preached to others i myself should be disqualified These are the words of Paul, writing in his first letter to the church in Corinth. And he's, obviously these are a Gentile church, uh, more Greek-thinking people. So he's conveying this message to them in words that they would understand. Uh, Talking about athletes, because athletics, just like nowadays in Western culture, athletics was a huge thing within the culture then everybody everybody's brother was an athlete of some sort uh every time you go especially here in statesville every time you turn the corner there's a new gym somewhere Oh, there's a gym on one side of the uh town there's a gym on this side of town there's one in downtown there's one in somebody's basement and there's always a new gym in our new martial arts studio As a practitioner of martial arts myself, I understand these words. They resonate within me. And I understand the language he's talking about utilizing self-control. Some of your biggest athletes, they have self-control. They have self-control to get up out of the bed at 4.30 in the morning, to go run or to go to the gym and work on a little bit of cardio. They have the self-control to instead of eating that three-layer cake. No, they're going to make a protein shake with super greens and stomach down the super greens and the flavor of that. Some people like it. I tolerate it. I don't mind drinking it. I have to tolerate it. There's a certain brand that I like to use that I can stomach. But still, that's still self-control. And that's part of what he's talking about here. And these people that don't know Christ are utilizing self-control as a means for their athletics. And Paul's comparing the athletic side of that culture to the Christian culture, to the godly culture. We got to start thinking about our spiritual walk in a mindset of an athlete. An athlete doesn't just all of a sudden go out to the competition and win first place. No. They train hard. They fight hard. They fail at times. That's a big one. That's something that we don't talk about much, especially at church. I fail. Yes, we're still human working through our salvation. We're still being sanctified by God, making perfect with God. and We won't be perfect until we are perfectly in his presence physically. But that's a thing that we have to consider. Is sometimes we fail. Sometimes we don't hit the mark. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much self-control we try to hold, sometimes we fail. An Olympic gold medalist, Scott Hamilton, was talking about this. He was a figure skater, and uh, he was talking about how he became a gold medalist. He said, a lot of becoming a gold medalist came out of suffering. His first nationals was in front of 17,500 people, and he fell five times, and he came in dead last. He said that failure only has one ingredient, and that ingredient is information. Meaning, you're supposed to learn from your failures. There's something you're supposed to learn each time you fail. Because if you don't learn anything, failing is in vain. He goes on to say, when asked how many times he fell on the ice before he became a gold medalist, he had to stop and he said, at bare minimum, 41,600 times. But each fall was the response of getting back up. Let's catch on to that right quick. 41,600 times was his personal estimate of how many times he fell on the ice, and 41,600 times he had to get back up. See, folks, that's the story that we see. That's the narrative that we see in the Bible from Genesis all the way to the end, to Revelation. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We can look at Samson, had all the strength in the world Started thinking with the wrong head, fell for the wrong woman. And guys, listen to this closely. Fell for the wrong woman. He was thinking not not with that brain up top. Fell for the wrong woman. She shaved his head bald, ripped him, robbed him of his strength. But before he got to that, he'd failed several different areas, doing things that he knew he should not have been doing, such as touching. Dead animals. That was a no-no for him. He wasn't supposed to be doing that. The woman that he fell for was not a Hebrew woman. That was another no-no. He fell. But in the end, he stood back up and he still saved the day. It cost him his life, but he still did it. we we'll look at King David. All throughout his time as king, he was... Messing up and getting getting back up. But God himself said that this is a man after my own heart. And I've always said. Why did God say that. About a man who was caught in adultery. A man who when he was caught in adultery. To cover up that adultery. He killed the husband of the woman that he was sleeping with. So he's an adulteress. He's a murderer. But when every time he. Fail or he messed up, he went back to the Lord. He ripped his clothes, he cried, and asked God to forgive him. That's why God said, This is a man after my own heart. Not because David was perfect and he never failed, but because when he did fail, he recognized it, he owned it, and he went back to the Lord. We have Peter in the New Testament who was big and bold and told Jesus, I would never betray you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, Peter did. But Jesus helped him back into that redemption. Three times out there on the beach after Jesus rose from the dead, he said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And Peter went on to be the leader of the church. But when he failed, he got back up. So that's something that we got to remember in our Christian walk. We're going to fail. It's not a matter if we're going to fail. We're going to fail. What is truly, truly important, what do we do when we fail? What is our response to failure? Do we soak in it? and stay in it, and stay in that filth? Or do we rise back up, stand up, and come back to the Lord? So my first point today is just as we would work and train our bodies to become more fit, let us work and train our spirits and our minds Turning our minds to the Lord. The more we get into the word of God and the more we actively pray, the closer we get to God. The more time we spend with God, the closer we get with him. Going back to the athlete. An athlete does not spend all of his time alone doing his own thing. No, he spends time with his coach. He listens to his coach. God gave us the best coach that we can ever have. He gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's more than just a comforter. The Holy Spirit is our coach. When we're going through life and we do something that seems rather small, the Holy Spirit will check us and be like, hey, man, don't be doing that. To others, it'd be like, it's no big deal. It was something small. It won't mean nothing. But the Holy Spirit will tell us stop if you keep doing that. If you don't check right there, that's going to grow into something huge, something you got to deal with later. Stop. Or the Holy Spirit will be like, hey, we need to go this direction. Don't go down that road. That road leads to destruction. That road leads to death. It looks good. But I'm telling you, don't go there. Just like a coach telling his athlete. Don't do that. Don't be up till midnight tonight partying on New Year's Eve. You have a big match here in three days. You need to stay rested. Stay hydrated. Don't go out binge drinking. Drink water. Stay at home tonight. Get well rested. Take your shower. Get a massage. Get rested. You have a big match. See, that's the other thing about being a good athlete, and especially a good spiritual athlete, is getting good rest. We find our rest in the Lord. He is our strong tower. We run to Him. When we are weak, He is our strength. God also gave us the Sabbath As a rest. Not just another rule for us to follow. No, he gave the Sabbath to man. He set the example. He gave the Sabbath to man as a day of rest. A day to recuperate. Folks, if you're not taking a rest day when you're supposed to be. There's two things going on here. One, you're saying that you're stronger than God. God worked six days. He rested on the seventh. He set the example. When we choose to work eight days in a row, we're saying, I am stronger than God. Don't do it, y'all. And I intentionally tell people working eight days a week. Yes, I know there's seven days a week. There's a reason why I say eight. Because it's over-exaggerated, intentional. When we intentionally work ourselves to the bone like that. Physically, when we work ourselves to the bone like that. We are telling God, I am stronger than you. Which is a bald-faced lie. Secondly, we have finite strength. We have finite energy. That means we have a stopping point. We have a physical end to our strength and to our stamina. We cannot sustain working our bodies eight days a week. God has an infinite strength. He has infinite stamina, infinite energy. Take your rest in Him. He gave us rest days. Physically rest yourself. Spiritually, though, daily rest in him is really easier said than done especially in the culture that we live in full of anxiety and worry and bills and and social gatherings and family dynamics and mixed families just a mess of life it gets complicated Find your rest in God. Secondly, point number two, if we neglect our bodies physically, we're going to be out of shape. We're going to be more sick. The same goes for our soul. If we're neglecting ourselves spiritually, not getting into the Word of God, not spending time with Him in prayer, not spending time with Him in worship... We're going to grow famished. We're going to starve. We're going to be weak. That means we're going to be easy pickings for the enemy. When we are weakened and sickly, we cannot fight back. Secondly, when we're weakened and sickly, it also means we're isolated. Did y'all catch that? When you're spiritually weak and sickened, you're isolated. Not only isolated from the ones around you, but you're isolating yourself from God, from your protector, from the shepherd, from the king of the pride. Makes you easy pickings for the enemy. One, you're weakened. You can't fight back because you're weak. Two, you're unprotected because your protector's not near you. He hasn't moved, but we've moved away from him. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He pounces around like a lion, waiting to devour his prey. So when we're isolated, we're easy pickings. God made us for community, not just with Him, but with the ones around us. So if we're not surrounding ourselves with good, godly brothers and sisters. When we're attacked, we have nobody there to help us. When things are going wrong, when things are going south, when the storms are hitting and rocking the boat and trying to sink us, we have nobody there with us. When the nights get cold, we have nobody there to help us stay warm. Seek God in everything that you do and remain within his community a part of remaining within his community is the local church people. You cannot be a lone wolf Christian. Not saying that making, going to church makes you a Christian. By far, no. But you cannot be a healthy Christian if you're not plugged in to a church family. Because nobody's there to help you when things are looking bad. A third point is we all only have 24 hours in a day. And we accomplish what we make time for. So when I tell you make time to get into the word, do not use the term, I just don't have time to have a devotional. I don't have time to read the Bible today. I got this, this, and this going. Yes, you do. We all have 24 hours in a day. Sometimes you have to make a choice. The enemy wants to keep us distracted, and by golly, it is easier than it ever has been before. We all keep the biggest distraction right there on our hip in our pocket, this cell phone. Zombies scrolling through videos, scrolling through social media, scrolling through this, scrolling through that, watching the news. I'm not saying you have to take the entirety of your day and get into the, your Bible, although there we, there is some great benefit to taking that. But I am saying that you have to consciously make a choice to say, hey, I'm going to read this verse right quick and I'm going to think about it for a moment. Hey, I'm going to listen to this hymn. I'm going to listen to this... Song, this worship song. I'm going to sing it out. I'm going to belt it out. This is me in the car. So while I'm driving to work, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to belt out this worship song to God. I don't care if I can keep a tune in the bucket, God's still going to love it. and I'm just going to pour my heart out to God in worship. Sometimes you got to be creative and find. Moments throughout the day to recharge with God. Sometimes you gotta find moments to get alone. Can't tell you how many heart broken hearted tears bawling out my eyes times of prayer I've had in the bathroom. Nobody else is around. i just crying out to God. Or how many times I've had a moment driving down the road, i just pouring my heart out to God and listening to his response back. And I'm not trying to make this sound like a super spiritual, hyper spiritual activity. God does speak back. He speaks back through his word. That is the main way he speaks back. There's other ways, but the main way and the safest way is through his word. And if you hear anything that doesn't line up with his word, I promise you it is not of God. So we've got to choose to make time. Just like the athlete chooses to get up and go to the gym or go for that run. Just like the athlete chooses to drink that water. To eat that proper meal. Not just the Slim Fast Atkins meal. The proper full meal. And just like the athlete chooses to go to bed on time and get a good night's rest. And take care of themselves. We have to make that conscious Cognitive choice to choose to spend time with God, to work out and exercise our souls and our minds, and to meditate on his word. And folks, I'm also telling you, the more you do it, the easier it is to do. So this year, make a point to work out with God, to get into his word and to pray and read his Bible and to worship and to run to him. Because we are never promised an easy road. But we have been equipped for the road that we are currently on through his word and through the Holy Spirit. So let's step into the new year the right way. And let's seek after his face in a way that we never had before. Let's be bold about it, passionate about it. And keep running hard. Let's pray, Father God. I just thank you for today. I thank you for this year. I thank you for the year that we're stepping into, Father. And I just ask that uh, anything said would as not of you will fall to the wayside, not be remembered. But your word, Father, I just pray that it would manifest in our hearts. That your word would penetrate us deeply, Father and that we go throughout our lives with your word on our mind, on our tongue, on our heart, that it would control our actions and that it would influence the ones around us, Father. I pray that we'd be so filled with your Holy Spirit that we overflow and it saturates everywhere that we go and saturates into every conversation, every interaction with everyone around us, Father. And I just thank you and praise you for your love. I thank you for all that you're doing. And in your precious and holy name, amen.